Okay, we've got a Friday Before Christmas podcast episode for you, so I hope you enjoy it. I hope you enjoy those of you that are celebrating. We've got John Ritchie, who was my boy, played for the Raiders, played for the Eagles on locally in Philadelphia. We'll talk Eagles. We're going to talk about a ton of other stuff because this is just one of my favorite guys of all time. Uh, just a badass, a real-life Viking walking among us. And we're going to do life advice for about 40 minutes. So um, we're hot right now with the females. They love the show. So buckle up for this last one. And our FanDuel picks. It's the Ryan Russillo podcast presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs and FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter-player props player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming, so please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 and older, 18 plus in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows on over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. I'm excited. We finally got him. He's a tough get. He's a tough get. John Ritchie, former NFL player, now a host of WIP in Philadelphia. Got a big announcement coming up there with the lineup as well. Uh, you and I, I feel like we don't talk much. We didn't hang out much, but we're just buds. Like we, yeah. we kind of get each other. So how's it going, man? It's good to Thank see you. Uh, it's great to see you, Ryan. Uh, I do think we we're kind of on the same wavelength on a lot of stuff. I... I'm really troubled right now because I can see my, you know, the way I look and I just, I can never get over how gigantic my forehead is and, and how wide my face looks like I, I would love to wear a hat to cover that up. Uh, but when I put a hat like your hat, I think right. your hat's gorgeous. Thank if you. I were to put that, if I were to try to pull that down over this dome, it looks like a little yarmulke on the top and it just it doesn't work at all you can still see the giant forehead thing and i don't ever really examine the forehead like i can examine it right now so i'm a little bit distracted i'm sorry about that i that's fine I but that you're looks good you're yeah looking- this is this is pretty standard i'm not a, i don't have a huge head i kind of lucked out on you know i'd rather have hair but if i wasn't going to oh. like somebody the other day was like you actually have a pretty decent shape. it was almost like Hey, for somebody that's stupid, you're not that you're not that dumb. Was they kind gave of the you tone. the nice shape compliment? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I was like, Great. well, that is nice. You know, that's you you edge me in that area also because I have shaved my head one time when I was I think going into sixth grade, and not only did I discover I had a giant Gorbachev birthmark on the back of my head, like a big red splotch, but I noticed that my head has lumps all over it where it shouldn't like you have a nice smooth dome you know like it, there's a nice curvature like the earth Thank Mine, you. it's like it's it's like everest and then you've got like little jut little i don't know like little mini mountains off the sides 
lumps everywhere. Squamish. Was, it's like, what's that? Squamish off to the side. Yeah, yeah, sure, exactly. It's a lot like uh, at the end of Return of the Jedi when Luke takes Darth Vader, Darth Vader's helmet off and you're just aghast. You're like, oh, look at that head. Look at it. Ugh, it's lumpy and pasty white and scarred. Go check it out. That's what my head looked like when I shaved it going into sixth grade. So I knew never to do it again. You also used your head as a battering ram for a good yeah, 15 that, years. That's so. a problem. That's part of the problem. It was 20, 20 years. I, I just speared people. Uh, and now they know to tell people not to do that. That was never the instruction when I was playing. It was always just put your face on, them. you know, lead with your face, get it in there. That's a good hit. So, yeah, I was like rewarded for doing that. And I was further maiming my physical appearance. So you can't wear a hat. What size head are you? What no. Well, that's the thing. It It's not the size of the, my head size is probably like a seven and five eighths. That's the not problem that crazy. Is, so the hat, the hat fits, but it's like my face is so gigantic beneath the brim that it, it looks unseemly, you know, like my head, my face would be squishing out the sides beyond where the brim is like yours is not your, like the brim is, is. <laughs> is wider than than your face. My face is wider than the brim. So Got it. it just looks, it's wrong. It's, it's, a, it's an awful look. I don't know how interesting this is to everybody, but I, as I check you out now in your lair, by the way, I don't know what the hell's going on in the background. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it is my lair. <laughs> uh, how, how are you never cast in Game of Thrones to be one of the wildlings? How are you not in this stuff? This is, yeah, I, you know, I, I wouldn't say this about many people, this is a no-brainer for you. This is your next career. So I'm not trying yeah. to bum out WIP. But like you should be in these shows. You are a real-life Viking, and you're actually big and not some 5'8 guy from Essex. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would love it. I, I just don't even know where to start with that. Uh, you know, my, my days are, are full of watching the Philadelphia sports teams, and I never have a chance to branch out. And, and I, don't, I don't – where do you begin? Well, actually, you are a lot closer to where all that begins, I guess, being on, you know, the West Coast, uh, you know, like Hollywood stuff. I'll start putting I, feelers out for you. I mean, obviously, all my stuff do. is going great. Yeah, please yeah. do, because I don't know where to start. <laughs> OK, let's let's get to those Philly teams. Uh, you played for the Eagles for a couple of years. By the way, these stats are incredible. Looking them up again. Do you know how many rushing attempts you had in your two seasons with the Eagles? Uh, one, one in 19. I remember games. it too. I, I remember it distinctly. And that was, uh, when I was in Oakland, when I first started playing in Oakland, Gruden would actually give me the ball a few times. And then there was a game up in the kingdom in Seattle where it was like Sunday night football. I didn't even realize at the time that that was a big deal. He gave me the ball going in on the one yard line. I, Second effort, I'm spinning around, throw, you know, the ball bounces out. Our right tackle, Daryl Ashmore, recovers it for a touchdown. And I'm like, that's pretty cool. You know, like we scored anyway. I, I got to like help out my buddy. I didn't think it was a problem. I got to the sideline and Gruden grabbed me by the face mask and said, Richie, you will never carry the ball for me again. And I swear, I, I promise you, 
he made good on that assurance. He never gave me the ball again. I want to say I had like 14 carries as a as a rookie or something. Uh, he he hated me with the ball in my hands. He'd throw me the ball. He wouldn't hand it off to me. When I got to Philadelphia, Andy Reid actually threw me a bone one time, and I think I gained one yard. I had forgotten how to run with the football at that point in time. It it takes practice. I was just, you know, like a little mini guard working my way through the line of scrimmage to block people. I didn't know how to run any longer with the the rock in my hand. Yeah, you'd fit in perfectly today because then I looked up who was the leading fullback rusher. Yeah. No one would ever get it's Derek Watt, six carries for 17 yards, 218th in the NFL rushing yards. That's the you know, leading rusher at fullback. But it's so different now. Like the, the fullbacks. That's what I mean. Play. Nobody the runs. Full, the fullbacks, you're right. They the don't play the position anymore. Forget running. Go ahead. They, they don't even include the position on the field any longer. You know, when I back then, back in the 90s and, and early 2000s, the fullback was in for 95% of the snaps. Now it's the fullback is in for 20% of the snaps when you're in goal line and short yardage. It used to be we would go to E, personnel, E, E, which means you pull the tight. When we're going two-minute offense, you go E, you pull the tight end off the field to put another wide receiver in, and you keep both backs, and you split them in the backfield so you have better pass protection. The fullback, you can always catch the ball every once in a while. I mean, I couldn't go anywhere with it after I caught it because I, again, lost the ability to run with the football. But you're, you, we were weapons in the passing game once upon a time. So before we get to this year's Eagles, which again, I mean, I knew this was going to happen. Um, what was Harbaugh like the first? Oh. Was it his first year as an assistant? Oh, I, I think he'd been there for a couple of years before I got there. I loved John Harbaugh. No, and, didn't you have Jim? I'm backing up to Jim in Oakland. Oh, back to Jim. <laughs> I loved Jim Harbaugh for that matter. Uh, he was just get. I think he was just getting started as a, an assistant. And I, of course, like I was a Jim Harbaugh fan, uh, having watched him at Michigan, and then I went to Michigan for a year and a half, and then you know watching him uh, like. I don't know, playing for the the Colts, watching him just, I don't know, he was tough. Um, Jim used to, when I was with the Raiders, he was an offensive assistant, and no one could believe how little he slept. Like, he had a cot in the, in the film room. Like he would actually sleep on, like, a little fold-out cot because all he did for 23 and a half hours a day was break film down. And, and somehow, he was still, like, like a normal, uh, functional human being. Everyone I don't know. Did. I don't know if normal is ever the first. <laughs> True. Good point. Well, we thought that he was the way he was because he was like never sleeping. But it turns out he's just very unique, <laughs> but just so tough minded. You know, like I, I really admire him and you can't argue with the success. My gosh, the guy is unbelievable. Did he have a hard time with you transferring from Michigan to Stanford? Oh no! Well, I mean, he didn't know. I, I don't. I doubt it. Uh, like he was, he was at Michigan long before I was. Yeah, uh, I know, but I, I, he probably never knew. Like Jim, Jim is so locked in to what he's to, to Jim's world. Like I don't know if he ever realized that you know 
we had some commonality. I, I he was amazingly focused, amazingly focused. His brother was a really cool coach too, by the way. Okay, so talk about John. John Harbaugh is an amazing guy. John Harbaugh, I don't know, like a little bit more uh, social than than Jim. <laughs> <laughs> You know, uh, <laughs> it's not saying much, but yeah, yeah, go ahead. yeah. Um, but no, John Harbaugh, just an unbelievable, uh, unbelievable coach because like he was he, back then, this is like early two thousands. He was trying to go in different directions. Now you hear about all these NFL coaches. They try to think outside the box and they'll show videos and clips from movies to try to keep guys interest. Like back when I was playing back in the you know, the old days, John Harbaugh was like, hey, do you have Monty Python? And I think it was on like whatever it was, DVD. Do you have the DVD of Monty Python and the Holy Grail? Because I want to show the guys something. I was like, I, I just so happened to have that, John. So uh, I would be sharing like CDs with John Harbaugh and DVDs with John Harbaugh all the time. And then he would like incorporate them in the meetings. And I thought that was the coolest thing ever. Okay. The reason I'm bringing this up, you play for Gruden, you play for Andy Reid, and you're looking at Sirianni coming in and his first impression isn't great. And I think sometimes people can forget, like people are so afraid. Some people are of public speaking. And then we're like, well, a head coach should never be that way. <laughs> like, it, look, his first presser wasn't, wasn't a great first impression, but if you talk to anybody that was connected to him, had played for him, we're like, dude, I'm telling you, Sirianni, he's just the same every time. People absolutely love this guy, and now it's it's worked, and they've they've shown not only can they coach talent, they can adapt to their own talent and kind of change what they've done in developing of Hurts. What's it What's it like being in that? I, I don't know what kind of connection you still have to the team, but what's that yeah. been like from your perspective, both as a former player, but now a media member in the city? Uh there were all sorts of uh, people. We were, we'd never seen anything like Nick Sirianni's initial press conference. It was incredibly stupid. Like it sounded so uh, clueless with the way he was coming across that none of us could imagine that this guy actually knew his way around a football field. Uh, he has, and if someone would have told me, hey, this guy is really sharp. Like just look past the the buffoonery, the the way he's unable to communicate with people. He's really a good coach. No one in Philadelphia would have believed it. No one was giving him a chance. And the truth of the matter is, these players, man, they respond to him. But it's for it's for different reasons. Uh, they know he's sincere, and he is unbelievably sharp in areas that I'd never thought of. Uh, you, you find a little bit out, a little bit out, a little bit out. Like Zach Ertz was talking about how in film sessions last season with Nick Sirianni, uh, Nick would always put the numbers of the guys who had MAs, missed assignments, on the, the practice tape or on the game tape when they would review it as an offense. This is This seems like such a small thing, but I've never seen it. I, I've never thought uh, of this concept. And Zach Ertz is on record saying, man, all, all he could think of was, I never want to let my, my teammates down. I never want to do the wrong thing because I don't want to have my number up there during the film session. And that's a real thing. 
that is accountability and you've boiled it down into such a simplistic concept. Like you just put the numbers of the guys who screw up on the tape when everyone's watching it and it works. And they'll even put coaches names up on the tape, uh, up on the, the screen during film. Like this coach had a bad call and like call them out. They call guys out. They're honest with one another. They challenge one another every day. And everyone responds to this. You got competitive guys in, in, in that locker room and they all love the way their coach is trying to fight the officials on the sideline, trying to fight the other coaches, yelling at the other players. They respect them, even though we as Philadelphia fans did not because he couldn't enunciate properly when he first took the job. Incidentally, he's gotten a lot better with the you know, press conference stuff and their, their PR department does an amazing job. And, you know, the rest is history. He's no one, no one second guesses his press conferences any longer. No one nitpicks the, you know, vernacular that he uses when he's up there in front of the media talking any longer, because the guy knows his stuff and those players, they worship him. Uh, it's funny because sometimes when a guy's too good at the press conference, then I'm more worried. Yeah, that's a good point. Where I'm like, a little too a slick. Yeah. I was like, yeah, why uh -oh. is he so polished at talking? You know, you can hold it against them too. Uh, <laughs> okay, then give me your Jalen Hurts timeline of like first impressions to what do we have to what he is this year, which like it finally, it probably took me later. It certainly took me later that Eagles fans are rooting for this outcome. But like after that Titans game, I just went, I, I think it's all there. I just think it's all there now. And you feel like you now Absolutely. have a guy behind center for 10 years. And that's kind of the standard of them thinking about, hey, you had a nice run. What's going on? You've got these receivers. What's going on? Like after that Titans game, I go, I don't know that I'm going to question this anymore with him, which is a massive departure from who I thought he was coming out of Alabama. Yeah, I, I would say. Uh, Oklahoma too, right? Both, yes. Uh it was split in the Philadelphia fan base heading into this season. You had a contingent who thought that maybe he could give you enough to get you to the divisional round of the playoffs. And then you had half the fan base who thought this guy stinks and we need to go sign Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers or someone else who's a legitimate thrower of the football. Uh, I, my timeline was, I thought he could always keep us in a game head to start this season. I thought, uh, this guy will always give us a chance because he can do so much with his legs, but I'm just not sold that he can pinpoint guys downfield. And I'm not sold that he's got an arm that can, you know, do what Josh Allen does or it, just the, just the beautiful, like heart stopping throws that are just a flick. Jalen can't do that. But what Jalen has done is he's, man, he's worked out the mechanics of throwing a football with Nick Sirianni and with his staff, with his offensive staff, to where his footwork is impeccable. The mechanics of throwing the football are impeccable, so much so that he had a separated AC joint in this last game and he was dropping them and dropping dimes 45 yards down the field. Uh, this season, he's been obviously lights out throwing the ball and no one thought that he would get to the point where he could be as accurate as he's been throwing guys open. But I think more than anything that his anticipation 
his understanding of defenses, his you know conceptualization of what opposing defensive coordinators are trying to do to stop him. Like he's he's brilliant. He's a brilliant young player who's got the toughness and the want to and the sheer physicality, along with an arm that is more than adequate, especially with the impeccable mechanics that he employs now that he's worked on this so hard this entire offseason. I think I was sold after the first month of the year. It was like I couldn't believe what I was seeing week after week. And finally, after a month, it was like, okay, this guy's not going to regress. He continues to ascend. He's evolving. And and he's better now than he was in the first week of this NFL season. Jalen Hurts is legit. And everyone in Philadelphia thinks that it's a travesty that he now, because he's being held out of this game against the Cowboys, it's likely that his numbers won't hold up against Patrick Mahomes for the MVP uh, you know, battle. And it's likely that just like everyone thought Carson Wentz should get the MVP in 2017, but got hurt and didn't, that it's a repeat of that where Jalen Hurts deserves the MVP, but he won't get it because now he's being held out with the uh, shoulder separation, with the shoulder sprain. Yeah, I, you know, normally this would have been a kind of a preview against the Cowboys. The Cowboys first time around didn't have Dak. And, you know, I think it was pretty clear Philadelphia was a better team, even though Dallas kind of, you know, towards the end made it more competitive. Uh, that feels like one of those final scores you look back on and be like, oh, that was a good game. And you're like, I don't know. Um, you know, Lane got hurt in that game too, right? So I didn't remember that. I know I didn't feel like much of a contest. Yeah, and but again, it was Cooper Rush, right? It's Cooper, it's so yeah. stacked. So that's not what the case. So I don't know if you I don't know what this game means now. I don't know what it means because like there's there's a bigger, hey, do you, are you not even close to like let me ask it this way. Rank the other teams in the NFC that you're worried about in the playoffs. Uh, I mean, the 49ers, their scoring defense, they're unbelievable. So you got to worry. Uh, I, I would say I'm most worried about the 49ers if they can decode things. And you know what? What the Bears did last week against this Philadelphia offense where they were given Jalen Hurts pull reads, you know, with the the read option stuff, they were crashing hard on the back and giving him a pull read. You know, basically, you can't give it to that back because he'll get obliterated in the backfield. So you got to keep it, and we're going to strike you because you're the ball carrier. That's what the Bears did. I worry so much that the 49ers, if we face them, they'll do the same thing, and they will punish Jalen to where – he ends up with separated shoulder or something uh, and and can't finish the game. Although I do think he would finish the game because he did against the Bears. But he's going to get beat up uh, against that San Francisco team. And then, I don't know, like after the 49ers, like I don't think the Vikings are that good. Uh, I, <laughs> Heard that a few I, times I think this the year. Cowboys are talented, but I think it, they're a roller coaster. And Dak is somehow making incredibly dumb decisions with the ball and he's not throwing it as well as as I've seen him throw in the past uh it really does feel like I think the city of Philadelphia feels like we are the team to beat in the NFC 
and that nine out of 10 times we're going to beat every other team in the NFC when we're asked to play them in the postseason. So no one's really that worried about anybody. So NFC, so AFC, you're saying like you're not even afraid of Buffalo or Kansas City? Well, okay, AFC is different. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. Because I thought I understood the answer. I think I understand. We're NFC, on the same page. NFC, right, right. not okay, worried. Just, just making sure. Right. Yeah, NFC, it feels like, you know, we're good. Uh, AFC, the Bills, of course, and, and you know, Andy Reid and, and the Chiefs, they are just really going to be a problem. But, hey, that's the Super Bowl. And we're talking about the Super Bowl, man. This is... Sure. You, know, you think about that. That that's unbelievable. J- Jalen Hurts, who half the fan base wanted gone at the start of the year, they preferred Russell Wilson over Jalen Hurts. Now we have a young quarterback who, for the next decade, is going to be the guy. They're going to sign him up after this season ends uh, with one of these fifty million dollar a year contracts and. We'll have a worse team around him, but he'll continue to improve because he does value the importance of work ethic and everything else. And uh, Howie Roseman continues to defy logic and do an incredible job at restocking a team. I, I'm really, I'm thrilled with the way it looks. Hey, you look really swole up, man. Are you like, are you powerlifting now? Like, what's the deal? I got how a little much, beef here. How much do you weigh? Um, 235 right now. Holy cow. <laughs> you weigh more than I do. I'm a Pussy. slight little frail. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a tender, frail, little 215 pounder. If I had to rank. 235? If I had to rank the 10 people I don't want to fight at ESPN when we were all there together, <laughs> I don't know who I would put ahead of you. I think you can take everyone, man. Two thirty-five? No, oh, no, no, no. You way. got you got like a, an eight-pack now. With no, you know, you know, you know what happened is, I I went a little hard on the ab stuff too, but I just don't want to cut down to like two twenty, even though maybe I'd have them. So like on the right day, you can see the uh, four. Yeah, but what it. happens is, and I'm catching myself in some profiles. Like if I've got a hoodie on and I'm walking to get myself some lunch, I've got that kind of like weird ab thing now where i look like i have a gut because it's yeah, sort of protruding I yeah i i think that actually like when i see that and this is just from being in a lot of locker rooms like i think that denotes a powerful individual when they got like the the one pack but it kind of <laughs> sticks out i'm telling you those yeah but there's players those bottom two those bottom two abs I, we don't know that we're ever going to see those and so i don't want to <laughs> I don't want to wait. So let's, let's revisit this. You're completely overrating me as far as like what you've done and you're a wrestler. So let's not even pretend. I um, sucked at wrestling. I, I mean, yeah, but you wrestled and you played fullback in the NFL. I, I, wrestled, think it's- I wrestled, but I was, you know, I ended up playing high school basketball. I was bad enough that I wrestled only until I got to high school and I was bad. I mean, I wasn't bad, but what was your record? I was heavy. I have no idea. I was too young. I I won. I I would win because I was the heavyweight weight class. And back then, that meant I was wrestling like the overweight kids. And it was like I'd put them in a half Nelson and just roll them over and I'd win. 
So I, but I, I ended up playing basketball instead when I was in high school and I was terrible at basketball. Like I couldn't shoot to save my life. You obviously don't know what that's like. I couldn't, I don't know. It, it still eludes me. The concept of like repeating the same motion time and again and perfecting it. Like that wasn't me. I was more like, I just want to put my butt on you and box you out and try not to foul out in the first quarter. All right. Cause I, I will, I want to stay with this. Cause are you think about the years you're at ESPN? And for those that don't know, like Richie and I, we should have done this more, but every now and then it'd be like, Hey, I'm staying this weekend. And I'd be like, all right, let's come up to West Hartford. We play video games. And then we walk yeah. through town. We did it a couple of times. We listened to Mastodon super late at night. Uh, good times. <laughs> Missed those days. But I'm trying to think like Saturday, who had maybe the highest approval of any former athlete in the makeup room. <laughs> he's so jovial, you may not take him seriously. And he's slimmed down quite a bit, too. So I, he was always yeah. kind of a small-bodied offensive lineman, if that makes any sense. So I don't know that there's a ton. Right. Of, I don't know the fear factors there with Saturday when we were there. Well, uh, he's got gorgeous eyes, though. Unbelievable. Uh, so that really ups the intimidation quotient. I mean, those eyes can be not only gorgeous and doe-like, but he can make them crazy. You know, if he gives... <laughs> <laughs> He's like, light, I call him lighthouse eyes. I it know. Just, it's just really light. Like on I a mean, dark day, he would, he would make you feel better. But then you're like, what the hell's going on underneath us? What about... I think Woody has a mean streak. I think Booger would be upset if we don't mention him. We can't mention Booger first. Booger's whole body is so fucking weird that I couldn't <laughs> imagine trying to fight somebody whose back is the size of Rhode Island. <laughs> yeah, dude, I I just can't imagine fighting anyone anymore. <laughs> I, I've gotten it's it's all been beaten out of me. I, I just I'm I'm pacifistic at this point. I, oh, I just, you know who I would Hugh uh, Douglas when he was there. I was like, nope. Hugh just signed on. At, I know. WIP. Hugh's coming back. Hugh, <laughs> yeah. Hugh, uh, Hugh will get you, man. Hugh, I got fined for blocking Hugh uh, back in the day, and you I did? still hold it against him. I didn't know but you guys got fined is, back then, man. He he's unpredictable. That's the thing. He'll get you. I'm trying to think who else. Any of the basketball guys? Antonio Davis, maybe. Well, they got the they got the reach, you know, like they can keep you at, at bay. That's the I I've had bad experiences with the reach thing. You know, back in the day, it was against a guy like Simeon Rice. Remember Simeon Rice? Yeah, Illinois. It's or, or Javon Curse. Oh, it's my it. job to go try to block these defensive ends, and because their arms were 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 long. They could do like the the little kid brother thing where they just like, I can't even get anywhere close to them. So reach really does matter. And those basketball guys could pepper you. I mean, they could just tap, tap, tap. I mean, you'd be out. You'd, you'd get nowhere close. Regardless of, of how swole you are at 235. Yeah, but uh, I mean, Antonio Davis, you're not going to get to him. He was a massive human being. I'm just trying to think, like, Darren Woodson was always... Darren Woodson looked like he could go play, but people might mistake the fact that they think he's too pretty. You know, he uh, he just didn't he age. Pretty. He's a pretty dude. He always smelled good. We're pretty guys, man. Some <laughs> real pretty guys. I mean, you and I are not included. No. 
Wow. I mean, really, getting back to Jeff Saturday's eyes, like, case in point. Can't stop talking about. I can't. I. Oh, I know who we need to put in this group. You know who would kick a lot of ass is Schlereth. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, if his body would allow it. You know, oh, he'd yeah. have to he he'd have to get a surgery after it, yes. no doubt. Several surgeries afterwards, but he would he'd he'd never give in. He'd he'd fight you to the to the last breath, uh, clamp on and and never let go. He was tough. He also has beautiful eyes. This podcast is totally <laughs> We should have just ranked the eyes instead of tough. I know, I know. Whose eyes are the worst? All right, so wait. So who is the tough? Because you know every I don't time know if I- you can go bad eyes, man. Because that like, yeah, that's, that's that's harsh. I mean, that's the kind of thing you you don't ever forget. If someone says you've got like an ugly set of eyes, I mean, how do you how do you live that down? You can't recover. I don't think we want to go there. No. All right. Yeah. Smart. It's very smart. Uh, Thanks. Whenever there's a tight end that stays in the block, the defensive end, social media loses their mind. So are you telling me that you yeah. are better equipped to block defensive ends than tight ends? Um, no, I, you know, no, tight ends actually are usually the longer than I am. Uh, you know, I'm a little more compact. And that's why I was never called a tight end because I was squatty. Uh, although not as squatty as the current fullbacks because I'm, you know, like six, two and a half. But anytime you put a back or a receiver, with which a tight end technically qualifies as, on a defensive end, it is a mismatch. And I do think it's a mistake. But in the West Coast offense, there were plays like Q8 you know, sprint right option, the catch play, you know, Joe Montana, Dwight Clark, uh, where the offset back blocks that end man on the line of scrimmage. And that very well could be a defensive end, but built into the play is you're supposed to be chopping the guy to get his hands down. So it's a little bit easier than trying to pass protect up high. You, a back should never block a defensive end in pass protection. And a tight end should never be able to do that because that's their specialty. And that's why they get paid really the mega bucks. Uh, it, it is unfair. They got a whole repertoire of moves, kung fu and everything. They're, they're, they're great at that. Yeah, especially some of these, two, these, these bigger tight ends, too, that are, are basically like wide receivers the way they're used. They're not yeah. in line all the time. Like That's why you know, I still kind of prefer Gronk just because of the... The history with him, but that he could, if you wanted him to stay in and block all day, he would murder, murder people. And then it's like, okay, well, no, tight. Yeah, he's seriously the best ever on top of being this, this absolute matchup nightmare. Is there a, is there somebody you block for an entire, you're too nice. So I don't know if you'll answer this. Is there a game where you just did actually own somebody though? And it was almost funny over the course of the day. (laughs) Um, No, but well, yeah, but like, and you know it too. like. You know it, and you know you're breaking him, and you know that he does not want 93 week to be called again because of body language. Like, okay, tell us then. Tell us who it is. Tell us the story. Eventually, there was, there was, ah, like, you know, like, (laughs) 
line will will linebacker coming up to take on the ISO block and he would ah, just turn out of the way. Yeah, he turns back to you. You know, like that's that's embarrassing. That's bad. Uh, I can think of that happening. You, you really want me to name a name? If you really I, don't want to, I don't want you to do it. I just like the stories. <laughs> That's all. So I, I know you're very... Okay, you're, I can remember. I can remember there was... There was... You know, there have been like five miracles at the Meadowlands in Philadelphia sports lore. The first was Herman Edwards, and then you had... Jeez. Uh, I really like three more. One of them was Brian Westbrook returning a punt. This was 2003, I think, for a touchdown to win the game at the end. Our offense did nothing that day, but we did run 93 week a lot, which is the weak side ISO. And that linebacker was the Honey Jones. And I do believe I owned him that day. And then I got to be, I got to be teammates with them. So like we could talk trash about that and discuss it. So I feel okay saying that now, but I don't think, uh, I don't think it happened often, but I felt, I I felt so supremely great about myself when I knew that I physically assaulted someone to the point where they wanted to quit. And, uh, dude, I can remember another game when I was in Oakland and we came and played in Philadelphia in 2001, we ran the ball like 48 or 49 times. And Trot, that was Jeremiah a Trotter game, Trotter, right? Yeah. Didn't come back from halftime. And I, and I like to think it's because too many ISOs from me. It's probably wrong. Like he probably. I don't know, something else happened, like he got injured elsewhere. Yeah, but, but you and I have talked about this. Didn't didn't you kind of lose consciousness in the game? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh that that would happen often. Gosh. And I had I had sort of a protocol like to get back to the huddle, listen to my part of the play, you know, the formation and the side and and, you know, get back into my three-point stance. And then by the time the ball was about to be snapped, like, my eyes would stop crossing and I could get back on. That was the, that was a game when I got back to the West Coast. Uh, the, uh, my, she was my fiancé at the time. Uh, looked me in the eyes and said, you just took five years off your life. I can't. I can't see you where are you in there so games like that you do kind of you do kind you worry about what you've done to yourself uh but that game is the game that all the guys on the philadelphia eagles wanted to talk about when i came when i was an unrestricted free agent and i moved from oakland to philadelphia everyone on the on my new phillies teammates wanted to talk about how awesome a butt whooping that 20 to 10 win was for my Raider team. It was the physical dominance that you see from, a, you know, like the, the 49ers defense that I truly appreciate. Uh, and you don't see as often anymore in the NFL. You do see it from the Philadelphia Eagles offensive line at times. You do see it from, uh, man, 
spectacular play from the Eagles' right tackle. Spectacular run blocking from the Eagles' left guard, Landon Dickerson. Jason Kelsey. Uh, we got, we've got some badasses up front. That was a little transition back to the Eagles because I felt like we were getting a little bit too much into me knocking myself, uh, knocking years off of my own life with the lead ISO. Okay, well, then let's do this. Let's talk about something completely different as we finish up here. On a lighter note, bad transition. Uh, <laughs> are you a Radiohead guy? Uh, oh, yeah. Sounds like I mean, a no. Okay, I like Radiohead. I'm not a Radiohead. Or, now, I understand that a lot of people who are Radiohead fans, they can tell you like the order of songs on album after album. I'm not one of those guys. Like I'll play Creep on my guitar. I appreciate their music, but it's not like I am with Jimi Hendrix that I've listened to album after album so many times that they've been inculcated into my unconscious mind. Okay, all right, because I'm going to see The Smile tonight in L.A., uh, which wow. is Tom York and Greenwood, so two of the members. And then wow, uh, was, I'm really excited about it. I was offered Radiohead tickets in Montreal by my girlfriend at the time in my early 20s, and I was like, I don't know if I want to go to Montreal with you. And <laughs> that was a huge mistake because I missed out on Radiohead, and she was way more mature and way cooler than I was, and I was just an asshole. So I've I've regretted for whatever reason. Like I'll go through these lulls of of not being like you know you should see at least see him once. So it's a smaller venue. I'm pretty excited, but I know wow. you're more of a Mastodon guy. I did go get to see Mastodon again in L.A. Wow. And did you did you mosh it up? Because you probably rocked people. No, I didn't. I didn't. I really. How did you not? How do you restrain yourself? All you know, swolled up. You didn't try to get close. It's about the music. Uh, I walked through it. I walked yeah, through you, it. It's just, about the music, but how do you like? It it sparks something inside sure. of you where you just get that aggression, and you're filled up with this. All fair, all fair points. Just never really, uh, you know it. It wasn't. I just feel like I'm too old, you know, I don't want to be in there. And especially if like you really catch a stray for some young buck and then you're yeah. like, okay, well now, now what am I going to do? We're like, well, you're the one that was in here. The other thing that was weird is my buddy sure. Chenoweth, Eric Chenoweth, who played at Kansas and he's friends with the guys in Mastodon. He's friends with the guys at Tool. So that's why I get access to like these concerts. So he's brought me to Tool and I've gotten to see it from this unbelievable, I'm really lucky. So, you know, again, this, I don't want this to sound like a, a bragging. It was just unbelievable. And he's seven sure. He's like seven two plus. He's we went to three eleven. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I'll send you the picture of us backstage. Seven two. Yeah. Holy cow! I'm I'm fascinated by like, how do you live? How how is it possible to live and fit it anywhere at seven two? I, I that really is remarkable. Fascinated. You never see a seven two guy. I mean, aside from watching NBA stuff. Yeah, he's just walking just around. Like, the everyday is not normal uh, for for those guys. People lose their <laughs> shit when they see him. Like, and, and listeners sure. of the podcast have heard me talk about this, but it's it's almost worth it. Like, I, he's a friend. It's great, but it's also this added entertainment of getting to see everybody else. But then it also can get really fucking annoying if you're just like leaving, and then people come up as if they're the oh, only person to yeah. come up to him. Like when we went to three eleven recently, I somebody 
got, you know, we hadn't really got to hang out because I was with some people. He was with somebody else. And then he's friends. He's friends with all these musicians. So it, it all, I guess musicians have a thing for seven foot two guys, but you know, we're everyone there. has a thing for seven foot two guys. You know what? That's the moral. That's that you're right. It's true. If you're seven, two, you got not a worry in the world because everyone will love you and they want to talk to you and they want to, you know, hang off your arm. Hey, really take pictures. Seven, two, man. It's, it's a, it's a blessed, cursed life. Yeah, no, it's a lot. It's a lot to process there. I don't think, I don't know. I mean, seven, two would be a lot. You know, skinny jeans, you can't go to rag and bone and get a fit too. <laughs> it's not going to happen no, for you. But it's a great excuse to just wear the same thing every day. I yeah. appreciate that. Imagine you show up to like major closings and sweatpants and be yeah. like, you know what? And everyone's cool with it. Yeah. He's LA, you, LA, you can wear sweatpants to everything. Okay. Big news for Richie. Uh, he and Joe DeCamera, they're going to be going to the mornings on WIP. They're the afternoons right now after the Eagle season is over. So whether that's early in the playoffs, doesn't feel like it out of Philly or the winners of the Super Bowl, uh, these guys will be moving in the mornings. Richie yeah. is my bud. I love getting to hang with you. We got to do it more often. And I'd gladly come on with you guys in the morning in Philly as well. All right. We're going to call on you. We love you. I love you. I miss you like the Dickens. You look great. I mean, really, you look intimidating, man. Intimidate, which is good. That's a good yeah. thing. It's good well, to I, see think, you. I think you're overselling a little bit, but I'll, I'll defer to you on this one. <laughs> Thanks, John. Thanks, man. Santa Barkley is back, and this year he's giving new FanDuel customers exactly what you asked for. Unwrap the gift of a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500 back in free bets when you sign up with the promo code RYAN, R-Y-E-N. That's up to $2,500 back if your first bet doesn't win. Think about that. Now is the perfect time to give FanDuel a shot. The app is easy to use. They're always giving you great promotions. And when you win, you'll get paid instantly. Check out the daily odds boost, prop bets, and live betting odds as well. If you start off like, I read this one wrong. Let me make it back. Let me double it up. Live odds. Your problem solver. So see for yourself why FanDuel is America's number one sports book. And get in the holiday spirit with a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500 back in free bets from Santa Barkley when you sign up with the promo code Ryan. Disclaimer, 21 and older in select states. First online real money wager only. Refund issued with non-retrawable free bets that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. You know what I hate, hate, is after lunch, there's all this time before dinner. I hate it. So I'm always like, do I do this? It's like, you should. Gain season. Throw in a little... Something extra, an appetizer that just starts hours before dinner. It just gets so frustrating when there aren't great options. That's where Arby's new two for $5 chicken wraps come in. Available in your choice of ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for that afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Food buddies. Arby's two for $5 chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. La Quinta by Wyndham has everything you need for your next business trip. From free high-speed Wi-Fi to fitness centers to free bright side breakfast with fresh waffles, eggs, and more, book direct at LQ.com. Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. This episode is brought to you by Modelo. Modelo knows it's not about whether you win or lose. It's about cheering louder, traveling further. It's about showing up 
no matter what. Because you are a fighter and Modelo is your reward. An ice-cold reward. Rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Shop delivery or pickup options near you at ordermodelo.com. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Every Friday, we started off uh, before Life Advice with our FanDuel Weekly Pick Contest. Uh, Kyle updated the standings, so I don't know about this week after last week. Um, it's not good. Not good for me, I can tell you that. All right, do you want to go first, buddy? Yeah, um, this is a week that I just don't care. I don't think I should have to do this anymore, but it's a long season, It's not, and it's almost over, so we'll finish it. Um, Bill threw the Patriots... Uh, against his pick for the first time all season. And like I said, I just don't care. So I'm taking the Patriots plus 148 uh, against the Bengals. I mean, it can't get can't get worse than last week. So um, plus 148, uh, just to outright win against the Bengals. Okay. Uh, outright winners. We are on the same page. Uh, we have grinded our way back, at least for me, back to 500 after another good week last week. So we're staying with it. Instead of trying to go 1-0, and we're trying to go 2-1 and every single week. Or 3-0. So uh, here we go. We've got the Pats, as you pointed out. Um, most The most bet game by the public, the number of bets, not money, uh, is Cincinnati minus 3 at Foxborough. So we will take New England, which opened at plus 1. We'll now take them at plus 3. I like only it. Only 24. Only 25% of the bets there. Okay. Uh, Eagles opened at plus one and a half. Uncertainty about Hurts, now that we know. Uh, it didn't look like Philly was going to be favored at Dallas uh, if everybody were healthy. I don't. I mean, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that one. The open at one and a half was the uncertainty around Hurts, which is a weird storyline in itself where Hurts had the broken collarbone and then it was immediately shot down that it was a sprain. And then, of course, you have to never let anyone know, so they have to prepare for Minshew and Hurts. Um, which I think is completely overrated at times. Maybe in that case, a little bit differently. But uh, right now, it appears 72% of the public still very happy betting Philadelphia. Maybe a lot of people not realizing Hertz is out. I know that sounds insane, but, you know, look. So we're going to take the Cowboys minus four at home. Um, it's four and a half, four, wherever you want to shop for it. So we'll take the minus four in FanDuel. 28% of the bets on Dallas. And finally, 71% of the bets on Detroit at Carolina. Not shocking. The number's gone from... A comp- this one's completely swung around here. Uh, Detroit is favored by two and a half. We will take Carolina plus two and a half. So, Pats plus three at home. Cowboys minus four at home. Panthers plus two and a half at home. Go Pats. Go Pats. There you go. Not giving up, Kyle. You can't keep this man down, even though we've just witnessed one of the most devastating losses of all time. You want details? Bye. I drive a Ferrari, 355 Cabriolet. What's up? I have a ridiculous house in the South Fork. I have every toy you can possibly imagine. And best of all, kids, I am liquid. So, now you know what's possible. Let me tell you what's required. All right, Life Advice. The email is lifeadvicerr at gmail.com. We don't normally do this, but we snuck this one in here. We're not a travel uh, channel. Although we can be at times. We've done it once or twice before. Yeah, we're more international Yelp. I don't know what that is. Do you know what overseas Yelp is? I don't know. Okay, uh, so we got this one through. We're going to let Kyle take the floor here. Our guy checking in 62185, uh, 8.1 handicap index. That's something I don't want to pick up any momentum. We're good right now with the lifting stats even then. Not quite sure why, but yeah, we don't need anybody's handicap, but good for you. 
the hit classes three times a week, bench my body weight, father, two boys under the age of four. Great. Long time, first time, help me fix my life, not just my back porch. That's right. That's what we used to do back with Van Pelt and I. That was the tag. That was the tagline. That's pretty good. Yeah. Kyle, the family and I will randomly be staying in Poughkeepsie on our way to Lake Placid. Any recommendations these. for family friendly dinner breakfast options? So go for it. Is this summertime? I guess it doesn't matter if it's if we're talking breakfast. Um uh yeah, there's this actually a shape. lot of there's Could a lot of new new <laughs> yeah, that's right. A lot of new places opening up. It's actually summer saying it's become a hotbed. The market's still on fire. So uh the, the, a lot of interesting stuff going on. They're trying testing a new power grid out. Um, which, you know, there's some interesting articles online as well. Maybe somebody will, will be able to tell you more about it when you're there. But uh, Big Tomatoes, just a little luncheonette. Are you a big fan of the luncheonette, Ryan? Like the little, I don't even know. I didn't even know what a luncheonette was was until I went there. Like the uh, diners, just, old school like, diners? Like the small, like a smaller diner with just like, it's just like a little bar and the guy's like cooking stuff almost in your face. I don't know if that's what a luncheonette is, but that's what this one is called, Big Tomato Luncheonette. And it's just like two griddles and it's like basically the food's getting made almost, it's like hibachi, but not at all. Like, you know what I mean? It's just luncheonette, like the original chef's table. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so that's great for breakfast. I don't know if you, if you want to cram like like if you're a, a group of five or six. I don't know if you want to do that. It's good. It's good like Sunday. Tough morning. to get five stools. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good Sunday morning. What happened yesterday? Kind of place. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's a couple great diners. Couple great what, diners that are still there. Happened? Acropolis Diner. That'd be weird if you were saying that to your kids under four. Be like, dude, like, <laughs> last night you were crazy last night. <laughs> Sorry, I slept in your bed. <laughs> Insert joke there. Go ahead. Uh, Main Street's fun. There's a lot of, just go down to the like waterfront Main Street. There's a lot of stuff that's buzzing breakfast time. Love a good uh, lunch at the River Station. Great swordfish steak, even though it's more of a dinner sort of deal. But there's there's a lot of stuff happening down by the river. I would just say go down there. Okay. Down by the river and the luncheonette. Okay. I think we Big tomato. Cover. Big tomato. All right. Uh, all right. Let's talk a few relationships. Let's fire a couple off here. Uh, this one's rather specific. Surprise prenup. Hello, gentlemen. As an <laughs> avid listener of the podcast with a couple commonalities between us, I'm a UVM alum, okay, who currently works at a college in Poughkeepsie. Man, Poughkeepsie's oh on God. fire today. Yeah. Uh, he said it's the slummy one with the cool kids, Kyle. That's probably Maris then, right? Don't know. I don't know. He might want to keep this. He's probably given up too much already, but... Uh, Dutchess Community College. Got it. <laughs> life advice has become the opposite of witness protection program. Okay, so I've been thrust upon a unique life situation to use some sage advice. It's a precursor, however, some details about myself. 6'3", 227, bench 185, squat 15 reps each. Okay, I've never attempted any... We got it. Okay, for additional background, I've, I've been fortunate enough to meet and propose to the woman of my dreams, who did for six years, who also works in education, and we're roughly the same age, late 30s. She comes from a loving family, only child, with her father being a prominent figure in law enforcement for decades and has done very well for himself. Uh, for, well for himself. He retired two years ago. Now, my dilemma, we were engaged last summer with our wedding date scheduled for next Saturday. That's next Oh my week. God. <laughs> yeah. oh well, my I always God. thought a prenup agreement would be on the table was okay with the idea, generally speaking. I never received anything in that matter until today. So I guess he sent this email middle of the week. So 10 days before the wedding from my future father-in-law, not even my fiance. He stated that this was, quote, routine and, quote, standard order contract and, quote, finally got around to it. This obviously blindsided me, but I did not, or excuse me, but I did contact a firm that specializes 
and matrimonial law, and they explained that the contract would be non-binding since it's been received less than 30 days. Wow, this guy actually yeah. did some serious prep. Freelaw.net. I mean, I don't know. I mean, is that's that, sort is that of, true, man. I don't know. That's sort of fucked. I, guess, I mean, again, I don't if you know sign it with your this. left hand, does it not count? Like, that doesn't sound great. I don't, I don't know. Less than 30. It's, it's not yeah, an eviction I mean, notice, right? Imagine not knowing that. And then you're like, oh, by the way, that prenup that I signed and never said anything about because you guys never said anything about it until a week and a half before the totally wedding. Totally void. It's completely <laughs> invalid. So I'd like to divorce you. Again, you know, we're not rooting for that. We wouldn't no, want of that course to happen. Not. On the okay, side of love. so. Furthermore, they also describe details of the agreement or anything but standard order and strongly advise me not to sign anything. Naturally, I would love to tell my future father-in-law to fuck off. <laughs> but we are so far along with the wedding process, not to mention the life we built together, that I don't know if it's the best course of action. This is a tough one. Uh, I was able to talk to my future question mark wife about this, which she admitted <laughs> to having prenup conversations with her father, but no arrangements are made, much less presenting it in this fashion. I feel like this is getting lengthy, so I can elaborate if need be, but I appreciate it. I think we got it. Said it's been a whirlwind day. Yeah, that kind of blows. All right, let me just back up prenups in general. If I marry somebody uh, and they have way more money than me and want me to sign a prenup, I have no problem with it. Zero. I wouldn't want anybody else's money. Uh, I just wouldn't operate that way. And I would say on the other side, if I at one point am rolling in cash and I marry somebody, which doesn't seem all that likely, but if I did, there's a prenup coming. Okay. Uh, it doesn't mean you don't love the person. It's simply trying to put yourself in that mental space of like, if this doesn't work out, oh, and you brought nothing to the table financially. You know, again, having a kid is a completely different scenario because then you were like, you don't want to be shorting your kid out of uh, financial stability. But I think just straight up like being <laughs> being divorced, I'm, I'm very pro the reality of it because I've uh, unfortunately seen multiple divorces up close and in person and see see what happens. And it sucks. Um, it can be devastating for people financially. So. The only time I'd ever go like, I don't know about this one, it might be this example. Uh, you know, clearly the father, like as much as he may love you and you're the best to his daughter, he's thought I saved and put away all this money and busted my ass my entire life. And if all of a sudden you meet some cocktail waitress in Fresno in two years, you know, and then you're going to get an equal cut, like that's bullshit. So I can kind of understand where that guy's coming from. If I were to, again, be at a place years from now where I was like financially killing it, and then I decided to leave a ton of money to my siblings, I would probably want them to protect themselves in some way because I would think, wait, I work my whole life and bust my ass and then take care of the people that are closest to me. But then if you, you who I'm not even related to, other than being an in-law, you somehow get all this cash because I worked really fucking hard, I just don't even like thinking about that, all right? I think that's fairly reasonable. So I can understand kind of where he's coming from. But this, this is weird. And it just feels a little nasty, not just because the holidays are coming up here, just because it's this soon. So I would tell him, be like, look, I'm all for signing this. Or I would say in this case, I'm all for signing a prenup. But you can't, you can't do this to me this late in the game and give me this kind of deadline and expect me to just go like, I'm starting to think if he has a background in law enforcement and if it's not, maybe if this is from, from a, a legal standpoint, you know, like, was he, was he a, uh, prosecutor for the town? Like, or I don't know, <laughs> okay, we're talking about a right. cop or whatever. Like, did he do this knowing full well what he was fucking doing going, this will be great. But again, if he was really doing his homework, according to the other 
uh, legal intel you uncovered here is that it's not even binding. So then he kind of screwed that up. I'm just wondering if he did this strategically knowing, like, let me give him really harsh terms, but spring it on him at the last moment. So he's not really going to have a choice. He's going to have to sign it or the entire wedding is going to feel like, again, I don't know that you would call this thing off. I would just say to him, look, I get it. I'm actually completely understanding because it sounds like you are, right? It's not like, hey, I want to make sure I'm, my ass is covered. I can get all this guy's money if we have a divorce. But I'm not going to have to, I'm not going to before Christmas and then the week of my wedding, I've got to protect myself just like you want to protect yourself. And with your legal background or law enforcement or whatever, I can't put myself in a situation. And I think that's kind of where the prenup stuff gets a little nasty, but it, it would appear, especially since he, I just don't, I don't know if he did this because he was just getting around to it or if he did it because this was an absolute strategy he planned on doing. Again, she's an only child, so you don't have another uh, you don't have another in-law to ask. Like, hey, did he do this to you when you married the sister? <laughs> so, you know, it, as long as the wife is on your side, there's not really much that can happen here. And again, I don't know the legal part of it of like, you, can you get some sort of <laughs> temp proposal? Because, I mean, what's, what's the father-in-law going to want to do here? Call off the wedding? if this thing isn't officially signed off on before you actually get married. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't think I would sign it even though I'm all for, like, I just, I'm very pragmatic about this. If one person is bringing a ton of money to the table in a marriage, uh, I've no issue with that person making sure they protect themselves. Cause that's the reality of marriage is that, you know, half of these things end up in divorce and you're going to feel a lot different about giving all your money away to the person that you're no longer in love with and maybe even despise. Kyle? Yeah, I mean, as a again, as a child of divorce and then a child who's then parents, both married divorced people, like I know it's, you know, no, it's not like out of the purview. It's not like it couldn't happen. So well, of course, yeah, I thought right. about it. It's like, definitely one of those things where it's like easier said than done. I mean, you know, a wedding coming up in June. I'm not going to get myself in trouble here, but it's just, you know, I thought about it. I was like, you know what? No, nah, I actually don't really have much money to speak of. There's really Wait, nothing you coming were, down the pike. I mean, okay, time well, out. It's just, no, I I'm mean, saying, as it, a guy who's been, as a guy, let's know the wait what time out. I'm just saying, as a guy who's been, you know, divorce surrounds me. I was just like, oh, you know, is it something that I think about? But as I thought about it more, I'm like, A, I definitely don't want to have that conversation. And B, we're basically making the same amount of money and there's no money coming down the pike for me. Like there's no, there's nothing like, oh yeah, one day that's going to be, it's just not happening. So I was like, what's the point of this? Wait, sort wait, of? we don't, we don't do that on this show. We don't put salary caps on our future earnings. You're right. Okay. Correct. Right. That's correct. Like whenever, whenever buddies would be like, that guy has more money than you'll ever see. I'd be just like, I don't know. Like, why would I, why would I sure accept the limitations, dude. right? <laughs> I would say right now, based on possessions, like, I don't know what the prenup would be. Be like, look, I get all these posters. <laughs> I keep my standing that, desk. And, but it's just, a, it's a thing you don't want to be like, because I'm a big comedian guy and there's so many great divorce stand-up. I think Bill, Bill Burr's got it great. He's like, oh, is this the line to lose half my shit? Well, let's look, it's moving. Like, that's, it's like, I, I don't want to feel like that guy. But then I was like, if we did get divorced and nothing great changed, like we both be like, oh, I guess, I guess this is about right. So I'm just saying for me, it didn't make a ton of sense to like do that. And I think for this guy, what it can say, what he can say is I just don't like the, I don't like the sneakiness of this all. Like we could have talked about this. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I don't, I don't like it. And I don't want to mess with your wedding day too much. Cause I know that, you know, there's going to be one person in that party that's not happy about that. And that would be your wife. But I would just, just for funds, just for funds. Let's like, what if you just went on legal zoom and got like a real standard boilerplate sort of, uh, sort of one sort of, uh, prenup, right. Pay like, 
do the free trial for the month of legal zoom or whatever and be like actually why don't you counter him with your prenup and then see what happens and then and then you and just talking to the father-in-law i mean i'm just saying like well why what's why is yours so much different if it's so standard because i you know i just had my people ran by ran by it so it's not really standard so what's wrong with the standard one that i have because if you're saying it's okay to be in a a prenup person, which I think I'd be okay with it if she came to me with it. I think I would be okay with it. I don't like it, the 11th hour thing where it's just like, it's like a permission slip or something. He's like, hey man, just sign this before we go out there. If you could just, you know, get your John Hancock here, then we'll be all set. Like, it just feels sneaky. So I think you can A, express that you don't like how it was done, that you're not like, it's it's either no prenup or I'm not doing this. So I think there's just a way for you to describe how like, I don't like starting out this relationship like this. And then if you wanted to do it just for shits and giggles. Maybe just give him your own prenup and see see if it has to be his way or the highway. I get to dad's point. He's the one that fucked it up. All right. So I know it's going to be tough if it gets a little dicey over the next couple of days. If it was so important, if it was so important, don't fuck it up. And like I said, I wonder if he thought he was doing it strategically, but based on the information he shared with us, less than 30 days, it wouldn't even be binding. So then it's like, okay, well, did he think that you weren't going to find that out? Maybe he thought that. Maybe he thinks, well, I don't want to say maybe he doesn't think you're smart because that would be rude. You know, you've known each other for six years. <laughs> <That would> be- <laughs> All right. We have another female listener chiming in with a problem with a relationship. Uh, we had uh, a female from earlier this week talking about should he, should, was she breaking bro code by asking her ex's friends to tell him to leave her alone. She did follow up with us in just a matter of a couple days. And she said the guy emailed again, kind of doing the Merry Christmas thinking about you thing. And she, she showed us the email. Um, however, I'm starting to sense the theme here. There might be some sort of hack for females in the pod, which I never expected this turn to take. And I'm not even sure it's happening, but I am now aware of it and conscious of it because I started thinking about it because we're getting more females to chime in about shitty relationships. And in almost every email, they're saying that the significant other listens to the podcast or the female got into the podcast because of the person that they dated. Right, And I'm wondering if we are being used as a vehicle to like really get in the dude's brain about <laughs> how fucked up he is. Because <laughs> I think it happened again. Buckle up for this one. All right. They sent in a picture. Well, I guess she did. I, I doubt this guy wanted to be involved with this. But if you're 6'4", bro, and you cheated on your girlfriend, you're about to be put in the crosshairs. Uh, good looking couple. She's she's cute. All right, what's up, Ryan? I'll try to keep this shorter than Johnny Manziel's career. Ah, she's got zingers for us too. Caught my boyfriend two and a half years of che- uh, together cheating. We went engagement ring shopping two months ago. He planned to propose before the end of the year. That would be coming up pretty soon. Uh, we were going to move in together in February, mid November. He goes to a work conference. I know what an original story. Just bear with me. We talk every day, FaceTime every night. He comes back seven days later and is distant in the bedroom. Strange because he's normally knocking the door down after he's away. (laughs) You know how that is. That's about (laughs) sex. Kyle knows what's up. All right. Two weeks go by and the feeling something's wrong just keeps getting worse. I start working out more because I think maybe I've put on a few pounds. He's not attracted anymore. Oh, man, that sucks. I cry to him and ask him if everything is okay. He assures me everything is perfect. Man, this this woman's sensors were just going nuts here. She just figured it out, right? Um, he assures me everything's perfect. He's stressed at work. Sunday after Thanksgiving, we're at his best friend's house. Fast forward, it's 3 a.m. and his phone is playing music. Something told me to look at his messages. Ugh. I've never gone through his phone before. I've never gone through anyone's phone. I have had my phone uh, confiscated. And it's not a great time. If 
But it sucks when the person that goes to your phone, you're not even dating. And you're like, can you not do that? Anyway. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of guys have gotten burned by the old, hey, I'll throw on Spotify. What's your Bluetooth? <laughs> you guys want some late night John Mayer? Who's Deborah? Yeah, right. Okay. All right. So never gone through the phone before I looked and there it was her name first and last. What a fucking idiot. Three names from the top <laughs> with a kissy emoji. I read a little, get out of, get it out of lock and go outside to get myself together. So he doesn't notice. So I guess the jams are still going. I have a friend come with me, make a plan to distract him so I can get the evidence. We were shit faced. I knew once I confronted, he delete it. I asked her to ask him to two-step around the living room to buy me time. We go back in, and I go at screenshotting while they are dancing. He comes over a few minutes later and asks what I'm doing. I ask who is this girl, obviously, first and last name. And his eyes get huge. Mind you, we're at his best friend's house with all of his buds witnessing. He asks that we don't have the conversation there. So I calmly said, get your shit and let's go home. He tells me they met at a hotel bar, kissed, and that was it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kiss is code what are you for talking life. about, dude? <laughs> Yeah. No, kiss is like that is never true. Ever. It's like, all right, well, I'm you definitely can't you can definitely tell that I'm lying about nothing, but maybe maybe if I just if I try to take a half truth out of this and the Jenga tower won't fall over. If I just if I try to take the, yeah. the terrible part, that way i that way you've you've already caught me lying, but I could say, Well, it wasn't even that bad. I just felt so bad about doing it. It's the classic definitely didn't happen that way situation no there was a girl like i dated right after college that wasn't very serious and then i was like hey were you hanging out with this guy and she's like oh we just kissed it was stupid and then it was like three mm-hmm. dudes in a row I was like oh we just kissed I'm like man you really like making out with dudes or <laughs> yeah or not that not just that all right um because i always wonder like how aggressive i want to get whenever it comes up to talk Accusatory. about sex. So I, yeah. yeah no i had a couple lines kind of on cue there and i was like i'm gonna let these pass it's a little aggressive for this pod uh all right <laughs> <laughs> So the text had continued for two weeks and they had a phone date one day while I was on the way home to cook them dinner. Oh, fuck. Then planned to fly to meet each other while I was out of town for a work conference the following week. Whoa. But remember, just kissed and went to their own rooms. Yeah, man. Well, maybe he's just an awesome kisser. You would know. A few hours go by. A friend comes to be with me and wants to look the girl up. I was fine not knowing, but she convinced me. Of course, nobody everybody i i don't know if just i entirely believe yeah on. i don't know that you i entirely believe you that you didn't want to like look it all up because that's that's sort of what would happen that's all right we uh, think you're cool anyway even yeah. if you wanted to look her up that's okay. so far we're on your side i mean you know all right so uh so she's fine not knowing but she convinced me this chick was engaged absolutely fuck no i find the fiance's number online holy shit you guys went full mm. barney miller on this one uh scorched earth I called him and sent him all the evidence I had. An hour later, he texted me, quote, they slept together every night at the conference, and then there's a selfie. What fucking idiots. So this loser FaceTimed me every night in bed, got out of bed, went to her room, or was already in her room, and she was being quiet. She knew he had a girlfriend and has sent me a pathetic apology. Wow. Real time bomb. Merry Christmas, everybody. All right. So my boyfriend tells me he was scared of getting engaged and was scared he'd fall back (laughs) into his old ways, which were cheating. LOL. What a fucking loser. And again, I guess this guy's listening to the pod right now, so you're probably not having the best time. I'm sorry, sorry. Yeah. She emailed us first, dude. All right. Uh, but that this didn't mean a thing. It was just a distraction. That's a pretty classic line there, too. Like, I was just scared. Like, Will so this you, please work? Yeah. <laughs> please, would so, you buy this? Yeah. So you 
we're going to fly to meet each other like in an off week when I was out right before we were going to move together and you were shopping for rings. And I get every relationship has their issues. You know, people can step out. They will forever step out. And sometimes when you understand kind of how it's gotten to that point, like I'd admit, I even think there's like leniency with some of this stuff. Although, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say, no, I think this is all great. Like some of us can all understand this. And I'll make this point probably towards the end. But I think there, this timeline isn't really passing a lot of the tests on understanding like why this guy, like, I guess I just say it now. If you think you're going to fuck around, I think it's way worse to do it while you're also planning your future with somebody else. Yeah. You know, I remember being, I was bartending one night and there was a guy like in town for his wedding and he got down on the pool table after hours. <laughs> Go crazy. And I was thinking like I was even more naive then. I was just young and I'm thinking, holy shit. I was like, this guy's like this guy and he's, he's getting there like, well, technically, you know, in his brain, he'd worked it out. It was like, until you're down that aisle. <laughs> some like, guys, some guys will tell you that too, and you're like, "Wait a second, what?" And you realize it's like those aren't just like the bad guy from the the wedding singer movie. Like those guys are everywhere. They're like actually normal guys too. So, uh, right, right, that's what you learn. It's like it's not like you have to be this type of horrible person. It's just some guys are wired that way. I don't know, and they're like nice about everything else. But yeah, super down nice. to this, super friendly, great hangs. This, like yeah. they won't steal anything from your house. You know what I mean? They probably would. You know, help help somebody cross the street, help somebody in need, maybe break up a fight. But when it comes to like the woman they love, God, they'll do some horrible shit. Um, but I don't know. That's a weird way of putting it together. Like, man, that guy had a threesome the night before his wedding. But you know what? He returned my basketball sneakers. <laughs> right. I like that guy. <laughs> okay. Doing okay. All right. So he was scared. I, that is kind of weird. He was he scared he'd fall back into his old ways. So like, I was so afraid I was going to cheat on you. I just had to cheat had on to, you. Just to see if it was real. What was that guy that had to... <laughs> we had something like that with a girl. It's like, I just had to, had to leave for a little bit and come back just to make sure you're the right person. By the way, is this guy still listening? There's no... You have to close out of the podcast if you're pretty sure this is about you. All right. So anyway, uh, but this didn't mean a thing. It was just a distraction. The text included good morning, good night songs that he sent me when we first started dating. Oh, right, guys... He's got some moves. He's a pro. He's a pro. Yep. Made her a playlist while we were cuddling one night. He texted her, I wish you were in my arms. Ew, that one oh stings. God, it's pretty man. crazy that you could know exactly when the text was sent when you were cuddling. But hey, maybe you're watching Yellowstone. It fell within that window. I get it. So she continues. My last boyfriend cheated. I gave him another chance. He did it again. I got into therapy about a year ago to work through some lingering trust issues triggers. Fuckface joined me. I guess imagine fuckface is the six four guy. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, he joined me and helped me work through all that with me. I got through it. Felt amazing! Exclamation! And then he did the same shit. Oh, and he did this to his last girlfriend, but the woman was married. Truly, just continues to get better. So I made the decision to end things, but love to hear your advice and thoughts on uh, what in the ass, how I get through this fucking nightmare. It really, just felt amazing to type all that out. Sorry, it was a novel. I was counting man's L CFL CFL stint too. <laughs> uh, so she 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 Melanie that yeah, we like to did. acknowledge that whenever you bring it full circle we love a Melanie here. Um, I guess he lives above her right now. She said I can hear him walking around. All right, when? Oh my god! All right, so that was I guess that email wasn't wasn't that long ago. Again, that feels a little bit like it was a way to get at him. I don't really know what else the advice is. Right, you broke up with them, and you're going to be bummed out about it for a little while. But would you rather had stayed? I think sometimes you could be. I think sometimes when you feel like, okay, this is everything's working out. This is my clock, and I know it's tougher for women than it is for men, especially when you start talking about having kids and all that kind of stuff. But I think all of us can be a little 
Like you were like, well, no, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This like this is the next thing, right? This is the next thing. And I think there are times where you'll see someone in a relationship where you're like, you probably know you shouldn't even be in this, but you're just kind of doing it because of the next thing. So I think the most important thing for what it sounds like with you here, and I would try to find a place to move at some point, it sounds like you're you're not going to fall into that trap of like, you know, it feels a bit like punishing yourself. He's the one that fucks up. And now all the stuff, my dreams of getting the ring and, you know, having this point in my life where I'm taking that next chapter, we're doing all these things together. You're together for two and a half years. Like, I just think it's really evil, either the male or female side. I do feel like men do this a little bit more than women do. But the whole like, I'm planning it all out. Like, look, you want to tell me you're sick of your wife. You want to tell me you're sick of your husband. You know, the physical part of it that can be a real challenge. And you've grown apart after 10 years and the dynamic with kids made it different and you actually fight all the time and you don't want to do it in front of your kids and somebody like, I get it, man. I totally fucking get it. But I think there's a truly evil seating for the person that is planning out the rest of their lives to be that partner, to be that best friend. Hey, I want a family. I'd like to live here. What are your hopes and dreams? And share all of these things while you're still fucking around. And it's like, if you're going to do that, then don't fuck with other people. That would be my advice to everybody else that's in that situation. And I'm not telling you I'm perfect. I'm not telling you like I've got it all figured out. But like sometimes I would just be like, I don't even want to be in this. Look, I have cheated. I have not cheated. I have been cheated on and I've been accused of cheating when I wasn't. And it's even better when you're accused of it and you're like, are we dating? That's weird because I'm pretty sure <laughs> that was never discussed. And now this is what do you think I did? Like, yeah, I, I'll tell you who I hung out with Like, because we don't date. What the fuck? So I think I have a well-rounded experience of it all. I don't know that if you cheated in the past, you will always cheat. I don't believe in that. Um, you know, for me, I was an immature shithead who had access. And there you go. Just mix it in a pot. And I was fucking <laughs> awful. All right. There you go. But at no point would I have ever been... Because later on, you know, a couple serious relationships, like it wasn't interesting to me because I felt like it would be just awful to want this other person to invest in your lives together, this partnership, while you're like, I don't really have this out of my system. And again, everybody does. I shouldn't say everybody does, but I want to be sympathetic to each challenge that there is in relationships. I just think that that certain one, like you, you're going to fuck up then. <laughs> You know, like of all the times where you could be like, all right, I can kind of see how that happened. Uh, you're getting divorced anyway. All right, whatever. But like, you're going to do it while it's supposed to still be the awesome time. So look, you're going to meet somebody who isn't like that. Not every guy is like that. And it sounds like you've actually, you know, you weren't talking in the email about how like you were hoping to figure it all out. Maybe you will. I don't know. You know, fuck. but uh, yeah, I don't know. Kyle. Um, yeah, I'm not going to go into like, the whole past of things for me because it really doesn't matter. You big cheater? Um, no, no, no. And as far as I know, I I've never been that. cheated on. You've never been cheated on, and you've never cheated. No, had a lot of had a lot of relationships where I was just like, "Let's be done right now." Um, and so, like, like I said, I've been a really That's good a breaker sure. upper. Yeah, let's be done <laughs> right now. Um, yeah, but um, I think she nailed the the revenge angle of this. I think you already got the revenge. This is great. I mean, if you like this podcast, it's probably one of your favorites. That's just kind of how we are. We really grow on you. So if you do like this podcast, it's probably really into it. 
So I think you nailed that. Sorry, dude. I really, I try to get a little bit in how, but you're probably not terrible in all aspects of your life. But this one thing, I tried to do that for you, but she definitely won this one. Uh, and then maybe uh, some advice would be for me, you know, maybe at the one year mark for, from every new guy, maybe you just have to take his phone at some point. I think oh, maybe at this man. point, I no, listen, I'm not saying take it, but I mean, I think if, like if this is the way you found out and you're like, God, can you imagine if we did this without a prenup, blah, blah, blah. I mean, see what I did there. But I just think maybe if if it's like happened twice, maybe it's even happened three times. I don't know. Maybe it's just, maybe you just have to peek. I don't know. I don't know how you're going to ever look at anybody and be like, okay, without like just taking a peek when they're not expecting you to. I don't know. And I know. Don't yeah, be but like crazy I'll tell you though, you know, if that know. person is, is not doing anything wrong and then you take their phone, like then you're kind of like, wait, you're one of those people. Well, you're they don't take totally the phone have to know person. about it. Well, they don't have is to know everyone, you take their phone. Is everyone who's younger a take the phone person? I don't know. I'm not a take the phone person. And I'm from the point where like, I kind of don't want to even like search really, but, but that's because I haven't been burned okay, as far so as I know, but maybe that's what because if, I don't search. I don't know. What if, what if your fiance all of a sudden, like the next seven lunches was flipping her phone over face side down? Um, I might address it, but I don't think I would take it. I feel like I'd be able to get her to crack without, um, without it, but maybe not. See, I'm just kind of naive. Um, yeah, she's t and she's taking my phone and it's probably because she's been, you know, whatever. And I'm like, I'm okay. I'm all right. She, she hasn't done it in the last like three years, but, you know, we've been together five years. But, you know, two years in, you know, she would do it. Um, and she got it out of her system, I guess. Maybe that's because uh, she she saw, she saw looked and she saw I'm not a, either I'm a really good deleter of evidence or I'm just not fucking around. Either way, I guess she's good with it. <laughs> so, I had one where I knew it was going to happen. And I was in a hotel room. And I had a family member who just had a medical emergency and I had actually gotten done like with a work event. So it wasn't like a night out type of thing. And I was so fucking certain of it. I set up my phone. I put it in front of the TV on the counter of the hotel room and then started the shower and never got in. And just quickly and hopped out. Left, <laughs> and left a crack in the door so that I could keep my eye on the phone. And that water hadn't started for 30 minutes or 30 seconds. And person Creeping went up to, to it. it. Wow. And I was like, are you fucking serious? I, go, well, I just got done telling you I had a family member rushed for home for like a medical thing. And I'm kind of bummed out about it. And the first thing you thought of was this. And then you're just like, you know what? Like, I don't want to fucking deal with you. Yeah, that's not nice. I just meant like. And I wasn't you're, dating the person. And by I the just, way. Yeah, okay. That's even crazy. That's actually really crazy. I just mean like for that advice of being probably bad advice, what I just said, I just mean, I don't know how you're going to be able to just sign up for more relationships without like, I just meant at the one year mark. I'm not at the, at the, at the six month mark, not at the two month mark, not at like, ah, uh, whatever. Just mean at the one year mark. Cause I don't know, you don't want to get two and a half years into and a, on the precipice of planning a wedding before you're like, oh, let me just check if you're going to check anyway. And then you're going to find out maybe just maybe just have a policy where you just have like a year in review. Like, a, it's like, I don't know. It's, it sounds crazy as I'm saying it, but I don't know what else you could do. Because she said moving forward. I don't know. You went to therapy and the guy did it with you. <laughs> like He did the therapy with you. So I so I, I, I don't know. Honestly, Kyle, that's <laughs> an episode. Know. That's an episode. That'll do it for this episode. Thanks to Kyle. Thanks to Troy for helping out on the John Ritchie interview. Uh, the Rhyme Solo podcast. Ringer Spotify.